robots for everyone. This goal and more on the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast. I'm Pius Wong, and today my guest is robotics education advocate, Danielle Boyer, who also happens to be a teenager. After high school, Danielle continued her efforts to make robotics accessible to more students like herself. I spoke to Danielle several weeks ago about her efforts. Hello, my name is Danielle Boyer, and I'm an 18-year-old educator and inventor working to increase representation for minorities in STEM, as well as increase STEM accessibility and affordability. Thank you so much for having me here today. No, no problem. And Danielle... You said a lot right there in that little statement, and I'm yes, super happy that you said that. So I heard immediately that you're 18. Yes. You are trying to increase access to STEM education. Mm-hmm. I feel like most of the people who listen to this podcast are older than that, and they, <laughs> they agree with your mission, but they probably mm-hmm. are trying to increase uh, education and STEM education to people more around your age. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, uh, how did you get into this whole mission of STEM education? Well, it all started when I was around eight years old and I saw puppets at Costco. They were animal puppets and I begged my parents to let me teach an animal science class. I was like, I can do the curriculum. I can do the coloring sheets. I can do everything. Please just let me teach these kindergartners. And surprisingly, they let me do it. I don't know why, but I was able to teach many classes um, from there on out. I got to do the curriculum. I got to organize a lot of the class, which was awesome. And ever Mm -hmm. since then, I've kind of fallen in love with teaching and inspiring kids' interest in uh, STEM. And it's gone on from there to now. I've started 17 robotics teams this year. Well, last season. And I mentor 35 uh, robotics teams. And I've started over 45 um, initiatives for STEM education. And it's kind of spiraled into this amazing thing where I've been able to educate others in STEM. uh, All ages, actually, um, K through 12. That's fantastic. And I know you've done a lot of local work. You're you're based in Michigan, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm out of Troy, Michigan. And even though you're 18, like you said, you've been working at this a while. It's not like you just stepped into this. And so I thought it would be really cool to hear about some of those initiatives. Um, one of the ones that I think that I read a lot about was your Every Kid mm-hmm. Gets a Robot project. Yep. So I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about that. So Every Kid Gets a Robot started as a project through um, my high school robotics team that I was on called Benzene Bots. And then uh, later on, as I began to start my organization called the Steam Connection, uh, I wanted to continue to increase the accessibility for the robot. So right now, the robot costs $18.95, which is a very low cost. And um, it's so that I can provide uh, inexpensive and affordable uh, STEM education for kids all around the world, potentially. We're actually going to be expanding into Europe soon, which is really awesome. Oh, wow. But the robots have been able to go out to hundreds of kids, and it teaches them how to like wire a robot. It te- I teach them about like CAD, uh, about 3D printing, because the majority of the robots 3D printed. Uh, and it has been such a great experience because the kids get to be really hands-on while learning about STEM education at such a low price. So you started this Every Kid Gets a Robot project when you were still in high school. 
Uh, yeah. So one of our students actually designed the first version. Uh, it was about under fifty dollars, mm-hmm. and then I was like, I think we can continue c- to cut these costs, and so uh, we cut it to less than twenty dollars. Uh, I designed it in SolidWorks, and it has been an amazing experience from there on out. Uh, I'm actually bringing in uh, forty-five robots to Fisher Unitech for one of their uh, CAD classes coming up soon. And I'm sure that a lot of listeners know what SolidWorks is, and probably yes. uh, are, are, they could probably even find a little bit about you on if they Google SolidWorks and some of your projects. But for those of us who can't see it right now, can you describe your robot? Uh, so the robot is a small, about uh, five inches uh, long robot that's 3D printed. Uh, it has a nine volt battery on it. It has an ESP32 development board, two uh, TTDC motors. I 3D print the wheels as well that have hexagons uh, on them themed after the benzene bots, which mm. is, you know, the hexagon benzene. Okay. Um, they're little robots that have rubber bands on the wheels for traction. They're very low cost, very small, but it is awesome that the kids can put it together. They're able to screw the motors in themselves. They're able to stick the breadboard on and screw the um, ESP32 development board in. They can connect it and uh, they can wire their own robot and then program it in Arduino IDE and make it actually go. Nice. You gave all the basics. That's exactly what I was looking for. And so awesome. <laughs> I, I can tell that like you had other robotic systems in mind. It sounds like you mm-hmm. and your colleagues, your your classmates, you kind of were yeah. comparing what was out there to what you wanted to make, right? How does uh, your robot, your lower cost robot compare to say the other ones that are popular in schools these days like Lego or, or other products? Well, I think the the biggest difference is the cost. Um, usually a robot that say like you get a basic car without many of the electronics on Amazon, that's going to be about 60 bucks. Mm-hmm. If you go and you get like a Lego robot and you get some of the extension kits, that's going to be more than $300. So educational robots are extremely expensive, which is kind of what, how I saw a, a place for every kid gets a robot. But you're able to actually wire your robot for every kid gets a robot, which is something that most robots on the market right now don't have, you know, the capability for. And the kids are able to put things onto the robot if they want to, like add-ons. They can put Legos on them. They can put sensors on them if they want to. But the base kit just drives around. Okay. And so because it's 3D printed, can kids get those Mm -hmm. CAD files and modify it potentially in that way? Yes. So actually, one of my favorite activities that I do with my students is they will design their own wheels in the, uh, in the SolidWorks app for kids. And um, they make the wheels and then I will cat it to the specification so that it actually fits on the robot. But they're able to pick the colors that they want. They're able to make it the shape that they want. And I actually have fourth and fifth grade students, do- students doing this. And I have had some really awesome creations come out of it, even like rainbow uh, <laughs> wheels and stuff like that. So it's, it's really cool to see them actually think through the design process and be able to materialize their ideas through 3D printing. No, that's awesome. And when you're working with these kids, you're teaching them, are you following a curriculum that you've developed with your team or how, how are you actually using the robot in schools or with students? So a lot of the time I will partner with other robotics teams and bring it into their team and we'll have a camp and then the kids will be able to take the robots away with them. In the Mm. case of like Fisher Unitech, uh, we're putting on 
three separate all-day camps to teach kids about SOLIDWORKS and 3D printing, and then they get to take the robot home afterwards. So it has many different applications. Sometimes I'll just say, hey, guys, come over to my house. Let's build some robots. And uh, like for our European um, expansion that we'll be doing soon, it's going to be uh, in some classrooms as well. Uh, So I'll be partnering with schools in the future more and more as I solidify my curriculum. Because right now I'm teaching the majority of everything. And that is very difficult. <laughs> Does so, that mean you're going to Europe then? I mean, I would love to, but hopefully the curriculum will be done <laughs> so that I'm able to expand even faster than I thought was possible. But it's been great because I've been able to teach teenagers. Well, I'm a teenager, but I've been able to teach right. younger teenagers how to teach with Every Kid Gets a Robot in their own situations. Sure. I'm going to be um, potentially partnering with the STEAM Sisters, which is a project lead organization. And we're going to be doing an all pink Every Kid Gets a Robot, which is really cool. Um, they're all girls. Pink is their color. And uh, they were like, let's do a pink theme robot. And I was like, awesome. You guys design the wheels towards what you really like. And I will give you guys robots so that you can teach some classes and I'll teach you how to teach the classes. All right. So I have two questions in mind and I got to make sure okay. I them both. One of them is I would love you to give us listeners a quick lesson in engineering. How do you keep the costs down for a robot design like this? And then I got to remember to ask you about these partnerships later. But but first, that first question, you obviously did a lot of work trying to make this a less expensive robot. How did you do that? So actually, our first robot uh, that cost less than $50, it had an ESP32 development board. And I was researching it more and more. And I was like, wow, this is actually very a great cost-effective replacement for an Arduino. And uh, it's less than $5, which is awesome. And you're able to control a robot with it. Uh, it's very small. You can fit it right into uh, the chest of, uh, chassis of the robot. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was down to kind of finding bulk websites. Like, how can I possibly buy the, you know, the cheapest motors that work? And then what supplier has them for low costs? And it was figuring out like how many connectors is going to go into and where can I get these for the lowest cost? Stuff like that. And Because it's so small and it has 3D printed wheels and 3D printing is very cost effective. Um, I think it's around with if you print it with ABS, I think it's like 99 cents per robot, Hmm. uh, depending on the filament, uh, which is very cost effective. Just the chassis, Um, like not the motors and all that other stuff. No, not the motors. Uh, We order those from usually Adafruit. Adafruit has amazing electronics. Mm -hmm. Uh, I normally order the ESP32 development boards from China. Uh, They take like a month to get here, but it is well worth because I think I got my last ones for like $3.50. So all of those things combined has really helped me keep the cost as low as possible. Because in starting so many STEM programs, I was funding a lot of them, and I was losing money very quickly. And uh, I wanted to come up with some replacements that were very low cost so that not only my community could have access to cool stuff, other communities could have access to cool stuff too. That's cool. And so you had to do a lot of optimization, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Wow. I also wanted to figure out, like, you, you mentioned all these different partnerships that you mm-hmm creating to create your business, to create your Mm -hmm. your program. That is itself a really big task. I guess that's kind of in the business world of what you're doing. For Um, sure. If other people want to do not exactly what you're doing, but try to expand STEM education or create some kind of business or program, how can you do that? Like, What tips do you have in generating these partnerships? Well, for me, I started out with very specific needs 
Uh, so in my community, a lot of the needs were funding and yeah. um, being able to afford the programs put on, um, consistent touch points. So working frequently with kids, the same students in STEM so that they can become proficient in it. Uh, diversity, that's something I just care about and think that it's important that kids have representation. And um, a lot of robotics wait lists in our area, which uh, resulted in me starting some teams and mentoring some teams. But um, I started with the problems and then it adapted into a solution because I was really upset about these problems. I was like, well, no one else is really doing anything to solve them, uh, especially the diversity issue. And I was like, well, I need to come up with a solution and fast. After I got my projects rolling, people started supporting what I was doing and reaching out to me. So I didn't have to do a lot of the reaching out. People were like, hey, what you're doing is really cool. Uh, for example, SolidWorks flew me out in uh, September, I think it was, to speak at their SolidWorks User Advocacy Day. And stuff has kind of exploded from there, mm, thanks to Rachel okay. York. Um but things have kind of uh, snowballed where I've been able to expand my reach more and more. And people are like, hey, that robot's really cool. Uh, can you bring it to our organization? I'm like, yeah, awesome. So it is the work that I do is a lot of emails, <laughs> a lot of emails, a lot of phone calls. But it is well worth it because at the end of the day, I get to, you know, at least once a week, see kids with STEM resources in their hands. Right. It sounds like you do a lot of work. <laughs> you're you're <laughs> teaching, you're building, you're yeah. communicating. Okay. And just to repeat, you're not in high school right now. You're in no. this gap year, correct? Yeah. I'm taking a gap year so that I can spend some time working and spend some time working with kids, which I really care about and really love. Mm -hmm. I uh, wanted to start an engineering design club. And so I did, which was awesome. I, was, I didn't even think it was possible. And then I did. And um, this week, one of my friends is coming in from New Jersey, who is a mechanical engineer and SolidWorks expert. He's coming in to help teach a class on materials and on reverse engineering. You mentioned how diversity is really important to you. I think yeah. it's really important to a lot of listeners, a lot of educators and mm -hmm. engineers. Why is diversity important to you again? Like, Why do you want to increase the different types of people who are accessing robotics? So my city is pretty diverse, but it's still not diverse enough. I've had kids come up to me after programs and say, hey, I don't really think robotics is for me. And I'm like, this has to change. Um, I'm very fortunate. I have had role models my whole life who look like me, but other kids don't. Mm -hmm. And uh, and especially role models in STEM. I remember even watching Mythbusters as a kid and seeing someone on the screen who looked like I did, but other kids don't have that. And I really want to see that happen more and more. And it is, um, but it led me to self-publish five science, technology, engineering, art, and math books. Um, they're coloring books and they feature a diverse range of kids um, at different ethnicities uh, with disabilities, everything like that. So that kids can see themselves doing things in steam, doing robotics, programming, all that type of stuff. Um, and they don't have any words or numbers so that they can be sent anywhere. I originally was going to have the numbers, but uh, some of my contacts in, in Japan were like, we don't want any numbers, please. And I was like, oh, no, I've already finished the majority of the book. <laughs> um, but I uh, got them done and it has gone to a ton of robotics teams and schools as well. And I got to involve some people in my county, some younger teens in the illustrations of it. I did 88 pages, which was uh, definitely a learning curve for me, um, a graphic design. And you were drawing work. them. 
Yes. So I, you were yeah. actually creating. Okay. Oh yeah. No, it was a very hands-on process. I came up with what the pages were going <laughs> to be about and then I drew them. And uh, yeah, so it's been really cool. I've been able to bring them to children's hospitals. I've been able to um, distribute them through PDF. I'm working on an app right now. It's been really awesome, but that's kind of was one of my solutions to the issues right. with representation and diversity because it is so important and is not emphasized enough. Like uh, there's a lot more STEM related kids TV shows than there were a few years ago, but they're still not diverse enough. I want to see more representation for all types of kids. I read that you were also especially interested, I, I guess you have a Native American background. Mm -hmm. You talked about bringing STEM to Native American populations. I'm curious what your perspective is on that. Is there anything unique about being Native American and having access to robotics or STEM? Uh, so Native Americans are crazy underrepresented in STEM. I actually have a statistic right here. So according to the National Science Foundation, uh, science slash engineering bachelor's degrees earned by American Indian or Alaskan Native women in 2014 was 1,763. That is crazy low. Um, mm. I really want to begin to change that. Um, I got invited to speak at the American Indian Science and Engineering um, Society National Conference coming up in October. And um, awesome. I'll be able to bring my robots out there and be able to potentially give them away, which uh, I'm really looking forward to. Um, I'm also going to be doing a lecture and a research presentation and stuff like that. But in, organizations like ACES who are involving um, the Native population in uh, STEM is really important because there aren't a lot of organizations who do that. And there aren't enough Native people in STEM careers. Thanks for talking about that. It sounds like you're already offering different types of solutions for broadening access to STEM. I heard that you're trying to increase representation, mm -hmm. diverse representation. You talked about supporting the organizations who are trying to spread the news as well. I'm curious what your ideas are, um, if you have any other ideas mm -hmm. for improving access to STEM. I think it's really cool coming from uh, someone of your age, because like I don't know that adults and older people always hear young people's ideas. Uh, yeah, it has been interesting. At most of the uh, STEM-related events I go to, I'm one of the youngest people. I'm like, I have ideas, listen. Mm. Um, but uh, right now, it's mostly, for me, turning my books into an app because it's to me, it's very ironic mm. that I pu push a lot of environmental science and caring about the environment, and then I print them on paper. <laughs> so um, I'm working on an app right now. Is it like a port of your coloring book or some other kind of app? Yeah, I, I'm going to be making an app for the coloring where they can actually color it in, inside the app. Okay, so, that's cool. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I've never made an app before. Um, so it is definitely a learning curve that um, hopefully <laughs> we'll be able to get done soon. But yeah, I have many, many ideas. But mostly right now, it is allowing my current ideas to expand with the app for the books, right. being able to reach more people for free. And also with the robot being able to have other people start their own like little chapters with every kid gets a robot where they're able to distribute it more so. I've had a lot of um, donations from the SolidWorks community, which I'm very thankful for. Um, but robots are very expensive. So I'm hopeful to continue to get more support so that more kids can get robots potentially for free. I give away the robots. So um, yeah, I was going to ask that. So it's like $20 for you, yeah. but you're giving it away to all these students. Yes. Well, how do you find these students? I know you're targeting students who are more in need of it or who mm -hmm. might be lower income, but how do you know? Is it is it mostly 
I mean, I know that you have a European partnership, mm-hmm. but is it mostly in Michigan or mostly in the Midwest? Mostly in Michigan. Yes. So okay. um, my community, uh, Oakland County, is extremely diverse, um, mostly economically, actually. So, um, for example, the city that I'm in is pretty affluent. Parents definitely push the STEM careers on their kids. But then just a few cities mm-hmm. over, there's Pontiac, which is not at all. That is not at all the case. So I have very close access to a lot of different kids from a lot of different backgrounds who want to learn about STEM and especially through robotics. I will go and help out robotics teams and often bring the robots to teams who don't have a lot of funding. I have a lot of access to them through FIRST Robotics. Uh, You know, all the kids are on teams already and um, they know people who they'll bring in, you know, even their young friends who want to learn about robotics and I will go and teach And it's slightly scary teaching without an engineering degree, (laughs) but um, I'm able to teach them. And don't worry, teachers do it all the time, too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'm able to teach and um, influence a very wide range of kids. Like I know the Fisher Unitech event coming up. They I can't I don't know exactly which city uh, they haven't told me, but uh, they did say that all of the kids are inner city kids and they'll be getting the robots for Mm. free, which is awesome. And as well as CAD education, uh, 3D printing education, which is really cool. They'll be busing kids in. Wow. Okay. So these partners kind of help you find students who are in need, including so first robotics. I mean, I had heard that it was a good place for networking in some ways, but you're kind of confirming that. Yes. Uh, and I, it just, I enjoy it a lot. So I talk a lot. <laughs> um, I've emceed events. I've helped put on events, robotics, you know, competitions and stuff. So I've met a lot of people who have been invested in the Every Kid Gets Robot mission and in the, you know, the mission of my books and Steam Connection and all that stuff and who've helped me expand. How do you motivate kids to even take part in these programs. I imagine that if someone has never done robotics before, maybe they don't know that they're interested. How do you convince mm-hmm. someone, a young person to get into it? So I have found that kids are obsessed with 3D printing. Even if they don't know, they want to go into a STEM career potentially. Wow, why they... is that? Not to cut you off, but I'm curious. Like, <laughs> why, why is 3D printing so like in right now? Um, I think it's cool that kids can materialize their ideas in minutes, potentially, depending on the print, but uh, they can CAD something and it can, you know, appear in their hand. So um, they see a a lot of them are on YouTube. (laughs) A lot of them are on YouTube and they will um, look up YouTube or look up (laughs) YouTube. They will look up 3D printing videos and they'll see all the cool technology and how you can print metal and how you can print gold. And they're like, well, I want to do this. And a lot of the kids, the first question they have to ask me is, uh, usually, how do I 3D print something? Where do I get a 3D printer? And how do I make robots? That's that they like robots, especially um, battle bots. Wow. <laughs> the so destruction. That's fascinating. Uh, yes, uh, there's a lot of videos on Instagram, uh, okay. and a lot of the young kids do have Instagram. <laughs> uh, even like elementary schoolers have Instagram, and I'm like, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they will be watching the robot videos, and they'll show them to me sometimes. Even the kids who. Uh, when I'm just starting out with, uh, often in my city, it's the parents who are like, Hey, you're going to be doing robotics. And then I want to inspire the love of STEM in them because Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily there to begin with, but in other communities that aren't as affluent, I will be like, Hey, um, you can do lots of cool things and you can make your own stuff and they love it. Hmm. Do you think that, um, 
yeah, just a, a straight up question that I've heard asked to me. I'm wondering what you think. Mm-hmm. Are some kids not good at STEM? Are is STEM or robotics for everybody, or are there some kids who just are not? It's not for them. So my goal isn't to produce future engineers or scientists. My goal is to give them access to cool STEM opportunities so that they can determine what they want to do in their future. Uh, They can increase their critical thinking skills through building a robot, and they'll have the technical skills to be able to uh, supplement whichever career they ultimately want to pursue. So I wouldn't necessarily, there are so many different things in STEM. I wouldn't say a kid is good or bad at it. I think it's just what you choose to hone in on and what you practice, and that's what you can become good at. I think I totally agree with that. I don't know why people are still saying that, oh, some people should never study science or math or engineering, it's, but it, I totally agree It is agree so helpful. That. It's a similar principle to me, like graphic design skills, like having a skill in Adobe Illustrator Photoshop. I don't plan on being a graphic designer, but it is an extremely valuable skill that has boosted my critical thinking skills. I have been able to partner it with my STEM skills, and I consider it a STEAM skill. And it has been really important, even in the robotics adventure, I designed shirts for a lot of the teams and stuff. They're good skills to have. And I think STEM skills especially really boost your critical thinking and makes you really think about the world around you. You know, it's like, well, how Mm -hmm. was this made? And especially teaching stuff like the design process, reverse engineering, I think is really important because of that. Mm. Let's see. So you did talk about like Instagram (laughs) and social media and things that kids that are even, you know, really young that they're, yeah. they're getting involved in. Oh, for sure. uh, I'm curious if you are keeping up with the news of the day and how like the tech world is actually getting kind of a bad rap these days about STEM representation, exactly what you were talking about or uh-huh. like a lot of companies. All this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious what you think um, about all this. Do you keep track of the STEM industry or the tech industry? And, and does that, do you think young people are concerned about these issues? I think young, young kids don't know it's really a problem. They kind of mm-hmm. just see the STEM, uh, you know, skills in there. That's kind of like where it's limited. But for me, seeing a lot of large corporations uh, come out and it's like, oh, their um, engineering department isn't as diverse as you thought it was. is really mm-hmm. sad. It is a huge mm-hmm. bummer because I think both I think everyone has a lot to offer the STEM industry. So I think a lot of minorities do. I think women do. And I think that um, people need to start paying attention to the work that they're doing. Because um, even if you look on social media, a lot of accounts um, that are run by women in STEM are amazing. And they're doing these remarkable things. And it's like, give them the jobs. They are doing amazing (laughs) things. And I encourage people to follow a lot of um, STEM influencers. Even um, this one account, it's called STEM Media. It's on Instagram. And it's um, run by someone named Dr. Nehemiah. Uh, Yeah, he was on this podcast a little while ago. Oh, really? I I didn't see that one. Um, he is awesome and he is doing a lot for minorities in STEM and I encourage everyone to like listen to his, uh, weekly, um, live stream thing that he does with, um, he interviews people and he's, he's doing a great job. So I encourage people to follow people on social media and support them who are doing things to change the STEM environment for people. Do you think companies recognize that? Do they? Do you think like? I mean, you've interacted now with SolidWorks, mm-hmm. with Fisher Unitech, and and a bunch of other organizations. Do you think that they're on board with, you know, diversifying uh, technology and robotics and computer science and STEM, or is it not uh, as big of a push as you'd like? It 
it's never a big of, as big of a push as I'd like. Um, but I see a lot of companies taking steps to improve their STEM um, environment. And even if you look on the American Indian Science and Engineering Society website uh, called ACES, mm -hmm. they have lists of um, organizations who are doing, who are uh, companies who are like uh, Native American friendly, which I think is awesome. So it's definitely, it's not every company, sadly. Yeah, um, yeah. But some are making changes in a positive direction. And even SolidWorks, I absolutely love their employees and how it is a really diverse environment. And I appreciate how they're working towards promoting STEM education for everyone. That's good to hear. That's a little bit reassuring. And I, I would like to hear that. And I'm glad that uh, you're saying that. And I guess there's still a lot of work to do. A lot of work. Yes. Yeah. I'm glad that there are um, kids who want to pursue the STEM careers, despite how difficult it can be to get into them. I know even I haven't gone to school for I would like to go to into mechanical engineering and then robotics after that. Uh, even mm -hmm. hearing so many horror stories about how people are treated in college scares me. It really does. But I want to, you know, teach young girls that you can do whatever you put your mind to. You can pursue that career if you think that it's meant for you. And I, I do have to say, it, it does scare me. It definitely does. So I know we've been talking for half an hour now, but okay. actually you kind of opened that, that subject. And I'm really curious about that. Mm -hmm. I've been talking with college students for a long time, back yeah. when I was teaching here at the university. And I know college scares people uh, before they get into college and while they're in college. And I'm sure you're not the only one. Are your friends scared of college too? Or like, what's what's the impression of young people when it comes to college these days? So a lot of my friends are in STEM majors, as you could probably predict. Um, and a lot of uh, my male friends are not at all concerned about it. And a lot of my oh. female friends are. And um, some of them have said that the environment is good depending on how many other girls are in the class, which I think is interesting. Oh, really? Um, but usually they said if they're the only one, I've had some friends tell me that they'll get singled out or that they'll be picked on by the professor to answer more questions or they'll just be highlighted in an embarrassing manner. And that definitely frightens me that that could happen to me too. And hmm. I just want an equal college opportunity for everyone. Yeah, that makes me angry hearing about that, actually, because it's that's really unfortunate. I guess it's good that um, you've got friends who are kind of like easing you into it. I <laughs> guess do you have a plan for like, what could you recommend to other people who might be in a similar situation where they're kind of afraid of going into engineering or computer science, whether they're young women or otherwise, like, what's your plan or how can you cope with that? I think if it's right for you, do it and find a support network of people who are going to be with you no matter what, especially other women in STEM. So even if they're from a different organization, different college, even if they're older than you, have someone there who can tell you, hey, it's going to get better. It's, uh, you know, or, or I'm experiencing the same thing right now. You're not alone. It's not just you. I think that's really important, especially um, for uh, younger people in STEM, uh, no matter their gender. I think it's important to have a good support network because <laughs> these, you know, degrees are difficult to get. And having oh, someone there yeah. who can be like, uh, you know, here are some tips or, you know, a mentor. I really suggest that. I don't have a mentor. Um 
but I definitely need one. And um, I was going to ask I, that. I, like mentor, if someone mentored you I, I mentor the younger kids. I have a right. lot of high school students who um, I work with and especially girls. And I will help them write applications for um, different clubs that they want to be a lead in. I will, a lot of them want to go into uh, science degrees and medical and stuff mm. like that, but I will help them in their interest in pursuing that and we'll give them resources and I'll send them competition information and scholarship information and all that stuff. And I'm hopeful to give them what no one else has given them, you know, an extreme support network an extreme in a good way, (laughs) because I know I definitely did not have that. Um, Well, yeah, then you answered my question of if you had mentors before, but like, I'm glad that you're still giving back with what you can. It's definitely been a fight to bring STEM education to a lot of kids. I know I've had some really horrible experiences in STEM in the past, even in high school, when I was on a different robotics team. It was the worst experience ever. And I still have problems because of it today. And just because of being a girl in STEM, that was the problem. And other people didn't like to see that. And it was horrible. And I don't want other kids to go through that, too. But you stuck with it. Yes, I did. I I almost quit. I I did almost quit a few times, but it was ultimately working with the kids and teaching them about the things that I love that kept me doing it. Even in the most difficult situations, it's like, well, I love working with kids. I love STEM education. This is what I'm meant to be doing, and I'm going to stick with it. And I'm glad I did. Um, I wanted to ask one final thing. I've been asking this Mm -hmm. lately to a lot of guests, Uh including engineers, including educators. Um, I guess you haven't gotten an an engineering degree yet, but you definitely have done some engineering and you've done some teaching. Yes. And I want to ask you this. How do you get your ideas, your creativity um, for what you want to do in life? What inspires you? Uh, so I have, I owe a lot of my, um, ideas and, uh, kind of my creativity as a person to my parents. Um, I was homeschooled for a large percentage of my life and, um, they taught me that no problem is too big of a problem and that, and they're both entrepreneurs and they taught me that no problem is too big and that if you find a problem, you can come up with a solution and you can help people. They, they have such giving, um, they're such giving people. And um, that really influenced me to see problems in my community. And I'm like, well, I can fix that. When other people were like, hey, this is too big of a problem. Let's not tackle that. I'm like, well, let's do it. I think I this idea will help, especially with every kid gets a robot, which is a huge process and a huge thing to tackle. Like, you know, affordable STEM education is, is a hard problem to tackle, really is. But the problems often fuel solutions for me and working with the kids and being hands-on with them. I wouldn't know these problems existed if I weren't so hands-on with the kids. You want to be in I hope that, answered that your world. Question. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it does. It's, it sounds like you're not the type of person who's going to be like, you're immediately just the boss overseeing everybody. You got to get in there and see everything in person and then you'll know what you're doing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, If you don't know what you're doing, don't lead it. (laughs) Definitely uh, be around people who know what they're doing so that you can bring that to your community. I really recommend that with people because, you know, sometimes you do have to start something yourself. And I have done that before. I've started, you know, after school events and things. And it was it was a hard way of doing it. I recommend learning from someone else who knows what they're doing first and constantly asking for help. I'm always asking for help from people. And I'm thankful that people are there to give me the support that I need, Um, even if it's proofreading a lesson to make sure that it's going to help the kids. 
I think that's important having that support network. Danielle, how can people learn more about Every Kid Gets a Robot or about your other projects? So if they go to www.steamconnection.org, all of my information, pictures of the robot, different links to my media articles, social media, all that stuff is up there, as well as information on how people can bring the robots to their schools and how they can download the books. Awesome. Thank you so much for speaking to me, Danielle. And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate that. That was Danielle Boyer. For links to anything you heard about today, check this episode's show notes or visit the podcast website, k12engineering.net. Thank you for listening. And thanks to the donors to this show on Patreon who make this show possible. The K-12 Engineering Education Podcast is a production of Pios Labs. And if you want to help support Pios Labs, point your browser to patreon.com slash Pios Labs, and you can give a donation there. Find these links, episode transcripts, and more at the show website, k12engineering.net. So that was all for the show, guys, but this is your post-show notes real quick. Thank you so much for everyone who voted for our proposals for South by Southwest coming up in March. I hope we get in, and Rachel and I will update you if we do. Uh, Also, just a reminder, I am going to interview a chemical engineer pretty soon for the podcast, and he's pretty awesome. He's from North Carolina State, which is a prominent school known for design education. I like their stuff. And uh, he's also a chemical engineer who works with process design and chemical manufacturing. I would love if you could help me develop a list of questions to ask him. He's really open to uh, it being a Q&A session about chemical engineering and how to work in the field, how to get to school to study the field. And even if you aren't going to be a chemical engineer, just answering questions about the chemicals we use in society, what is safe, what is not. Which chemicals are things we should be concerned about? Which chemicals are amazing lifesavers? So uh, this guy's really cool, and I need you to help me come up with a list of questions for him. That's all. Thanks so much. Email us at info at k12engineering.net, and keep on learning. Later. <laughs>